0: Robin Williams once said comedy is acting out optimism While Charlie Chaplin described life as a tragedy when seen close up But a comedy in long shot In short, humour is the voice of hope and the great connector of hearts It breaks down barriers and sometimes is all we have at the end of a long day when just nothing went right. It's something we can all relate to, whether through irony, tragedy or fun. It can frame the most challenging of subjects and turn foes into friends and, in the case of content marketing, leads into customers and customers into advocates. When it comes to using humour though, it can be a tricky balance. We run the risk of seeming flippant, arrogant or just plain old unfunny. However, if the art of comedy is applied well and in modest amounts, it can create memorable and highly engaging content that will attract a wider audience and open up your brand, business or self to the world. In fact, brands have been working tirelessly to perfect the art of comedy over the history of marketing and advertising, and these days, they can be more creative with their approach than ever before. So, how do we develop a unique personality throughout our content calendar that adds value and enjoyment? Well, get your laughing gear ready, because over the next 20 minutes, that's what we'll be learning. Are you ready to act out your optimism? Let's get laughing. Marketing is about values. For stories. Big stories.
1: The new CEO go 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 go. Great brands and great businesses have to be great storytellers too. Concept marketing can be your superhero. go oh, oh. yeah.
0: My name is Rikarl Eberle. I'm the founder and CEO at content marketing and brand publishing agency Newsmodo. You can follow me on Twitter and please also subscribe to the show on SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave a rating and review and please do share the links with your friends. Now, our guest today was described by The Age's Green Guide as a serial cage rattler and one of the most influential people in the Australian television industry. He's appeared on shows such as The Ronnie John's Half Hour, The Chaser's Hamster Wheel, the critically acclaimed web series Irrational Fear and the musical Beacons Field. He also worked for Fairfax as a video journalist for Triple J and Al Jazeera and of course our ABC. His name is Dan Illich and he joins me now. Dan, thanks so much for joining me on Brand Storytelling. How are you going today?
1: Uh, Rakal, I'm doing very well. I've got a coffee in hand and I'm just ploughing through the last bits of post-production on a project I've been doing for ABC iview where I hitched hike from Hobart to far north Queensland and asked people what they thought about the election. So um, I'm just... I'm in the middle of editing that, and sh- that should be done by the end of the week, which is great news.
0: Well, that is fantastic, and we are going to get into Twitch Hike, as the show is called, in just a moment. But you join us from the ABC. How is it there, and what have you been up to in the last little uh, period of time? I know you've been a very busy man, having worked across many jobs, <laughs> but for our listeners out there who might not know, I guess, your history, what brought you to what you're doing, and what, what's been keeping you busy?
1: Well, currently right now, um, I'm at the ABC working on this little project, and I dip in and out of working here at the ABC. I kind of work everywhere in Australian media. It's uh I've had this weird career where uh I work a lot at Fairfax and I work a lot at SBS and then I work a lot at the ABC. Uh, and then I do some stuff with Channel 10 occasionally. So I'm right across commercial and public broadcasting in a way. Not a lot of other people are, but then I have this other side of my career where I also work in branded content and storytelling and campaigning for NGOs as well. And then I have another part of my career where I do comedy. So I, I have these, I have these multiple strands of this. My, my career is like this o- octopus of, <laughs> of tentacles going out and people find it very difficult to pigeonhole me which i i truly enjoy um so how i kind of label myself is i'm a little bit of a journalist i'm a little bit of a comedian i call myself an investigative humorist and in that i like to kind of uh, find out the truth and then entertain people with the truth or with great pain as well so (laughs) if i can make people laugh at what they should be scared of then that's my job is done
0: I think that that's a great way to, uh, look at things these days, particularly with the diversification of content and the many channels within which we can reach audiences. There's no point pigeonholing yourself in as a comedian or a content creator or a journalist. These days, it's fantastic to have so many different strings to your bow.
1: Well, I've kind of found that, I've kind of found that, um, everything that I've done lately seems to be kind of coming to a head. Like it's all, all the experiences that I've had over the last 10 years in this new world. Are extremely valuable. So um, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I feel like my time might be coming <laughs> as, as a content creator and a, and a media and a media strategist. So it's it's really kind of an exciting period for someone like me. Yeah,
0: it's, and it's been a fascinating journey, I guess, from on the stage to then on the screen, and now, as you say, within content. And we talk about content across so many channels. I know you were the head of satirical content um, for AJ+, which for our listeners is Al Jazeera's online news and current affairs channel. What did you take out of that in terms of um, the content that audiences are consuming these days with Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and so on? Uh,
1: the biggest thing I took away from that was that for people my age, like I'm, I, I don't know how old you are, Ricardo, but I'm 34. And realistically, I'm, I'm kind of a millennial because I don't watch television and I haven't watched television in such a long time. So the medium of television itself, it becomes this... Strange, um, strange antiquated beast that, um, still exists for old people. Mm. And so what I took away from AJ Plus was just how powerful Facebook is as a channel for Al Jazeera. So Al Jazeera created AJ Plus to, with the intent to broadcast itself to millennials in a brand new way by making standalone content that can sit together that's shareable that plays with identity politics that gives people something they don't know that enriches their lives in some way and they they make it shareable and fun and 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 interesting Mm. not just for millennials but for anybody who uses facebook and the strategy of the last couple of years seems to have worked and it's been a big uh, what i've enjoyed most about my time there was uh being able to run any idea I wanted to and seeing and running little experiments with content to see how to retell a story a couple of different ways to see which one will get traction. And they're very open to that kind of experimentation yeah. just because you made a video about something. Uh, on one particular subject doesn't I mean you can't remake it again in a different way, because those videos will, through the algorithm, will eventually find different audiences. Mm. So uh, that's really that's really cool. Um, yeah. So that that was one of the big takeaways I, I took from them, and also just the power of um, embracing video in a digital setting with text driving it, with story driving it, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that you can with something very simple, you can get great results.
0: Such an exciting time for both industries. And when I say both industries, I, I'm talking about, I guess, the comedy industry, but also the content industry, because I think we're going through an incredible uh, phase of exploration where brands that were once really conservative are now opening up their doors to customers through, I guess, being humanizing the brand and having a sense of humor. And at the same time, um, you know, you spoke about the antiquated platform of television and for old people Mm. you know now the content and the ways that we can reach people through you know snapchat facebook linkedin whatever it might be uh is so diverse so when you talk about how it's all coming to a head for you i'm really i'm really keen to i guess understand is that on both of those i guess sides of the fence both the the comedy and what you do with in that hand goes hand in hand with the platforms that you can distribute
1: Mm, yeah well I'm about to move to Los Angeles to work for Fusion uh, Networks in America uh, as their as an executive producer of satire for them. So there I'm going to be building products not just for their Facebook video channels but also scalable projects to run on television in America as well. So it's one of those things where uh if you've got a great idea and you're in a New breed of media company. You should be able to find the right channel to suit that idea. And what's really, what's been really exciting here, um, at the ABC, for instance, uh, is the amount of digital exploration that's going on. Uh, uh just, uh, particularly with the stuff I've been doing with Twitch Hike, it's been cool to be able to do something so cheap and so, so, uh, freewheeling, um, for the ABC, just to kind of experiment with an idea I've been kicking around for ages, but also looking at other comedy, uh, uh, I view opportunities that, that, that's. Been coming up. There's been a lot of piloting going on through just the digital platforms here at the ABC, and also take a look at Sammy J. If you if you haven't seen any of Sammy J's election content, I recommend jumping on iView and checking it out. It is hysterical, and that's a good example of a comedian who has been given uh, uh, some serious boundaries in terms of budget and 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 timelines to mm. create something mm. interesting, but has smashed it out of the park and with no with little to no kind of TV film Filter. So it's kind of it's niche, but it's niches play big on the internet. So if you uh, if you trust your artist to create something, you'll get great results because they are usually tapping into some sort of conversation or some sort of kind of anxiety uh-huh. that you might not consider for a broader audience. And I, rec- if you're if you're if you're a brand marketing manager, uh, I would try and convince you to do the same. Um, uh, often creating content for Uh, advertisers, there are so many, there's so many levels in, in approval process, uh, to get to, to get the idea up and going. And by the time you've got an idea approved, the zeitgeist and the conversation has kind of moved on. Mm, mm. And so, um, if there's a way you can kind of, if you're a brand manager or a marketing manager and you're, you're commissioning, facebook work or twitter work or any social platform work if you can find a flatter structure that you can get from idea to execution in a faster uh, uh, way you'll have i think you'll have a much more success with with branded content
0: Mm. and that's so exciting you're heading over to the states where this stuff is really taking on a whole new form, I guess, and growing from strength to strength. We've seen, you know, Will Ferrell and his mob with Funny or Die taking branded content, you know, from I guess one dichotomy to another where it becomes this whole viral content kind of channel and, you know, building studios for branded content um, and creating advertising campaigns that essentially adjust for social, um, for brands using comedy. And now we're seeing it, you know, being embedded into shows like, you know, the Late Show and so on over there. So, I guess content is now one and the same with with uh, comedy, and it's an exciting time, no doubt, for the likes of yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is exciting, um, but it also requires a level of uh, trust on behalf of the client. So, the best results I've ever had when I've created content—be um, that for television commercials or all digital viral things—is when I've had a, uh, a, a direct communication to the person who has to sign off. So, Mm. um, the best, the best example of which I can kind of quote to you is, um, Dick Smith's Australia Day campaign from a couple of years ago, um, which, which basically involved me writing a script and talking to Dick Smith and getting it approved with Dick and then, then like producing it with Dick Smith to kind of get it made. So, you know, when you're, when you're the creative and you're connected straight to the, straight to the the client Mm. um that's that's like the best relationship you can have so uh, if you're lucky enough to have that then you're you're onto a winning combination anytime more brains get in between creative execution it becomes a little (laughs) bit bit of a problem so uh i definitely um if you're if you're a content creator out there and you want to um you want to make some great work. The less layers, the better.
0: That is a great tip, and would you believe it, we're already halfway through the show, Dan, which is, uh, signifies <laughs> that it's time for what I like to call the mad minute, this time with- Oh my God! So if, if you're mad and you're ready, and you're hungry for, uh, for <laughs> f- have a thirst for quizzes, and I know you do have a penchant for quizzes, I've seen you on TV, and I'm very excited <laughs> to, to be throwing these questions at you. I've got 10 of them lined up, and I'm just looking for some one-word answers. So the, we'll start oh, the sure, clock, we've thanks. got 60 seconds on the clock, with question one, your favourite current TV presenter or personality? Uh, Charlie Brooker. Question two: Something you're planning for 2016? Uh, moving house. Oh god, good luck. And moving, moving countries, moving countries, stateside. Question three: The one thing you can't live without? Uh,
1: I can't live without my Nexus 6P.
0: This is the that's the question where someone either says their partner, significant other, or their mobile <laughs> phone. Question four: Other than your own favourite regular skit on the Ronnie Johns Half Hour, of course, um, what do you? <laughs> (laughs) think you're remembered for?
1: Oh, God. Um, That's a good question. Uh, I I think I have yet to create the thing that I'll be remembered for.
0: And that goes to something planning for 2016, no doubt. Question five. Best way to deal with hecklers during a live show? Uh, Of course, you've never had any. A
1: quick barb of truth doesn't go astray. (laughs)
0: Like, could you give us an example? Stop the clock.
1: Well... One time I got heckled. Uh, I was doing some jokes about my surname. My surname is Serbian, and I was making a joke about how I anglicised my surname during the nineties because mm. I was I was because uh, I found it awkward because of the um, Yugoslav civil war, um, and I made a joke about the Serbs being the Nazis of the nineties. They had all the all the cleansing, but none of the dress sense. And that um, went down well. Well, it, <laughs> half the room laughed. Half the room laughed. Yeah, and then a lady up the back went and said, "That's terrible. Get off!" And I said yeah, it is terrible. Uh, crimes against fashion. I mean, if you're being pressed with someone with bum bags, then it is it is not good news. So um, it was just uh, so yeah, if you come back with a with a healthy dose of accuracy, then you'll be fine. I mean, I stand by that joke. It's absolutely correct.
0: Still works now. Now question six, start the clock again, your favourite Australian movie and TV show.
1: My favourite Australian movie is the castle. Uh, uh, my favourite Australian TV show. Uh, is the D-Gen's Late Show. As a kid, I watched that growing up and I really... I really loved it. All I wanted to do was do what they were doing.
0: Okay, so question seven, which is three people you'd invite to dinner from history. Would any of them be from the D-Gen, Mick Malloy, or any of those guys?
1: Oh, well, you know, you have all of history to kind <laughs> of uh, draw from. And I've met the D-Gen guys, and they're lovely. They're, they're excellent, <laughs> diligent people. Um, but I don't think I would invite them to dinner when I have all of history. <laughs> um, I'd invite Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. I'd invite Mary Magdalene. Satoshi, Is it Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin? I reckon wow. those guys.
0: Now, that would be interesting. I guess my next question would be, what would you cook?
1: I'd probably ask Mary Magdalene for her recommendations.
0: <laughs> that leads me to question 10. The current state of Australian politics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you looking for a one-word answer? Um, well, I mean... Is there more to be said about the current election?
1: Uh, I would say flaccid.
0: (laughs) And that was the Mad Minute. Thanks so much for that, Dan. Let's get into, ironically, some serious stuff when it comes to comedy and how we can use content to break down the barriers with our audiences. Knowing that most of our listeners out there are great content marketers, how do our, I guess, brands that are listening in actually do this? And how can they sprinkle through a little bit of comedy through their content without, I guess, overdoing it or running the risk of being I guess flippant as we mentioned at the beginning of the show or even unfunny yeah
1: that's a really good point I tend to uh, when I when I start creating something I like to have a structure and an idea behind what I'm doing before I even consider jokes so um if I'm if I'm creating something for a brand I want to make sure the structure of the brand story is in there or Um, what we're selling is kind of front and center and that all that is taken care of. And then I backfill with jokes. So it's like, have we achieved our objective? Yep. Now let's go back and do a joke run. Let's go back and backfill with as many jokes, visual and audio and, and with, with words as, as as much as we can. And that's kind of in, that's kind of how I operate with my teams. Mm. Um, and likewise what we did with the rational fear, which is a satirical comedy a uh, brand that I created a few years ago. Um, we were creating content at the time, which didn't kind of go viral, but since then, a lot of our content has been picked up and shared hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times, particularly about Barangaroo and the Sydney's lockout laws and and stuff like that. And that's a really good example of where you need to get your story straight first. So if you get your story straight first, then you can go back uh, and pepper it with jokes. And it, it, for me, it's about trying to, Tell the story and then, and then not, not wanting to bore the audience. So if at any point you think, you know, you've, you've gone without four seconds or 10 seconds without a joke, you need to find a way to, to shoehorn a joke in there. Be that visual, be that, um, with words, be that, um, with audio, any way you can. So that's some, that's kind of my operand, modus operandi there. Uh, but I think, I think what I do, in my work is I like to create these things called info bombs and info bombs for me are jokes plus facts. Jokes plus facts create info bombs and what info bombs allow you to do is throw information at an audience and make them laugh and as they laugh they bring their defenses down so they might be able to they might be more willing to absorb that information uh, whereas if you just told them the information they would have their defenses up. Uh, And be in be completely in their own bubble by ignoring the the message because they know better. So I would be conscious about creating something that makes people laugh, tickles their funny bone, and makes them consider what is being said as well. So the message the message in the story for me is really important, and the jokes are just a way of shimmying that into people's brains.
0: Mm. I know, and. As you know, as you can tell, I'm no comedian. Um, But there is something called the rule of three that I know that has been quite successful when it comes to creating content. Is that something that you can talk about or is there any other formulas that our um, brand storytellers out there could perhaps turn to or read up on that maybe they could start, I guess, plugging into? Or is that too formulaic? Is there no formula with comedy?
1: The only thing you need to watch is a clip from Singing in the Rain. And that (laughs) clip
0: is called...
1: Make them laugh. And in that clip, they have pretty much every kind of joke. They have visual jokes, they have rule of three jokes, um, they have slapstick, they have word jokes, they have puns. everything in that everything in that that old 1950s or old 1940s um, movie has every style of joke. Now I could get really theoretical and kind of go, yes, yeah, so the rule of three is, um, setting, you know, <laughs> setting a pattern and then negating that pattern. Um, yeah. my, and that is, that is a very simple rule, but generally, generally the, um, the comedy principle is negate everything. So cut down everything. So be that, um, be that your brand that's risky to say, mm. um, be that, um, who you think you are, your self of importance, your, the message or f- bringing the audience into a space they weren't expecting, um, surprising the audience in some way they weren't expecting, uh, telling the audience something they don't know. Um, and I have a, I have this principle called the fuck me principle that, um, I learned at Hungry Beast and the fuck me principle is something that we, It was drilled into us by um, John Casimir and Andrew Denton and Anita Jacoby at Hungry Beast. And the fuck me principle is basically every script you write needs to have a fuck me moment. And that is, fuck me, I didn't know that. Fuck me, you have to see this fuck me i didn't think of it that way um fuck me that's really funny <laughs> fuck me that's really entertaining so if you don't have if you don't have a fuck me in your script then what's the point of writing it so I think we just... don't, don't 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 even don't even bother like don't even bother Making something if you're not going to have a fuck me in in 2016
0: because no one will see it. I think we just tipped this episode into the expletive uh, bracket on iTunes, so I'll make a note of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you mentioned a word that I guess a lot of our clients run away from, and that's risk. You know, um, you run a risk. Of there's it is risky when you start, um, I guess, taking shots, pot shots at your own brand. How, it is risky business at times with comedy. Not, I,
1: I, I want to make make clear that it's not taking pot shots at your own brand; it's undercutting your own brand. So, um, oh, sorry, not undercutting, uh, negating your own brand. So, if if the audience thinks your brand is one thing, and mm. you just flip it for a second and surprise them right. by doing something else, the audience will go, "Oh, that was interesting." Yeah. as opposed to logo motto jingle and we're out right. you know so think about how you're entertaining your audience you know the audience is the audience is savvy particularly online they see lots more interesting things than the stuff you're making so you need to you're not competing with other brands online you're competing with every other bit of content that's already been made in humanity <laughs> but that, that's not, that's who you're competing with. So you need to think, uh, you need to think like, oh, not, what's going to service my brand? Sure, you can think about that. But also, how can I compete with every other bit of content that's ever been made in humanity? That's what we're dealing with in 2016.
0: <laughs> and it's all about the audience at the end of the day. So I guess it's is all that's- about the audience.
1: You've got to, you, you've got to provide your audience with value. And if you're considering as a brand, you're considering going on a marketing, on a digital strategy, And you're like, oh, I'm going to make a bit of content every day. I reckon, you know, fine, that's fine. But also, I would also implore you to consider value over volume. So I would, for many of my clients, I would encourage them to do regular content, but less of it, and make that content really great. So that way, that content has a larger life than just that day or just those those 72 hours so it's really important to kind of consider um what you are putting out there and how your audience is consuming it and what value your audience will have with that bit of content
0: Dan, we could talk about this for hours and it's really fascinating stuff. I really, really do appreciate you coming on brand storytelling as we start to wind down. And I know that you're heading stateside later this year. What else is in store for you in coming months and where can our audience out there find you if they want to learn more?
1: Yeah, you can um, follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, and Facebook at Dan Illich is, or at Dan Illich is my name. And I'm the Illich on Snapchat, which I'm still coming to terms with uh I did call myself a millennial earlier in this interview but I'm 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 very much an old man when it comes to Snapchat. I need millennials to teach me how to use it properly. Um so yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to be doing all sorts of interesting stuff uh, in the coming in the coming months um over in the US so uh hopefully uh, hopefully I'll be able to delight audiences doing it.
0: Well, Dan, it's been a lot of fun and I know our audience would have got a lot out of this episode of Brand Storytelling so please do keep us updated as you continue doing what you do and we'll no doubt be following your career as you head stateside later in 2016. Dan Illich, thanks for joining me on Brand Storytelling.
1: Oh, thank you.